welcome. How's everybody? Give me something. There we go. There we go. Listen, I want to welcome everybody here on our Newburgh campus, West Campus. We see you out there and everybody joining us online. Before we get started, I kind of want to talk about an important announcement. Patrick's been talking about the story of God and us. That's our next series. Well, why do we keep talking about the next series? Because we're doing something unique. From birth all the way through adulthood, we're studying the same passage. Our children's ministries, the same passage. And we would really love for you to jump into a small group. Even if it's just for this series, we'd actually love for you to lead a small group, even if it's just for this series, kind of get your feet wet. And we all just kind of want to take the word of God and and dig deeper and tear it apart and see how God's story and our story intersects. If if you're interested in being a small group leader or you want to sign up for that, go to cccgo.com slash groups. Also, if you want to just sign up for a small group up and running, we're going to have a group connect on the weekend of Sunday, August 26. If you want to be a part of that, go online, sign up, or see one of us in our Welcome Center right after this. Uh, Let me pray. Father, I love you. God, I do. Those aren't just words. I love you with all my heart, all my soul, with all my mind, with all my body, with all my strength. Father, I love you. I love Jesus. I'm so grateful for all that you've done. I'm grateful for this people and for this church. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak. I'm grateful to lead others to Christ, for my family, for more then I have time to mention because you are a good God. Uh, This morning, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. We invite you to come. God, it's what you have to say. I I don't want to say a thing without you being in it. Uh, So come and speak through the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're in week three of our Grow series. And my question today is how close, how close are you to God? Uh, how, how deep is your friendship? Would you say, well, uh, I, you know, I'm more of an acquaintance, or would you say I'm a best friend? I think that's a question that all of us should ponder from time to time. You know, and for some, he, he's not quite a friend at all. You're, you're, you're more, he's somebody you've heard of. That's okay. Some of your friends have told you that he's really this great guy and he's an amazing God, but he's more of an interest. Uh, perhaps he's, your, he's the occasional friend that you hang out with. You will seek him for advice. It doesn't necessarily mean you'll take his advice. He's kind of a big deal to you, but certainly not the deciding factor on how you lead your life on a daily basis. More of kind of a friend that you hang out with on the weekends. Uh, then for some of you, he's your best friend. He's your bae. You ever see B-A-E? Well, that means before anyone else. He is the love. The old guy still got it, okay? Hang in there with me. I'm trying my best. Listen, just turned 56 last Saturday, so wow. Okay, anyway, thank you. Thank you. I figure I've got four more years. Listen, for some of you, he has your heart and soul. I mean, you would not make a decision or a move without consulting God through prayer, through his word. He's your Lord and Savior. So my question today is, which are you? How close are you to Jesus? Wherever you are, my hope and my prayer is that you will constantly be moving closer as you dig a little deeper. Because remember this, we've been saying this, growth is about who you become, not what you do. And I think I could add, growth isn't even about who, who you are right now. Uh, some of us are just in the process. Some of us are just 
just coming out or spinning out of things. Some of us are spinning into things. But where growth is about who you become, not what you do. Here's what I'd like to do today because, because my message is all about what does a daily walk with Jesus look like. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about letting our roots go down deeper and deeper into Jesus. But before we get to 2 Corinthians 2, I, I want to, or Colossians rather, before that, I want to look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God. Paul, Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He's all over Acts, which is the history of the church. He said, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ, Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. In his introduction, Paul calls the people in Colossae holy and faithful, and there's a massive difference. It's a subtle way of saying to the church, God loves you, but here's what's really cool. You love God back. You're holy and faithful. Well, what's the difference? Well, well, holy means to be set apart. We, we think of God as holy, to be exalted of all else, to be worthy. But Paul calls them holy. Why? Because God has set you apart. God has exalted you. God has called you worthy. Now, holiness can only come from God. It's not something you work for or earn. It's something you accept. It's part, it's part of what I call the gospel package. You believe that Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross and pay for all your sins, all the things you've done wrong, and so you call upon him to be your Lord and Savior. Then a holy exchange is made. I get all of his righteousness. He gets all of my sin. That's a good deal. You become a saint. You become righteous, which means just as if you've never done anything wrong because of what he has done. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul puts it this way. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Let me, let me make this real simple. And this is a good illustration if you're ever leading anybody to Jesus. It's an old one. But let's say this hand is you and I, and, and this is sin. And there, man, there's sin all over us. So God makes an exchange. Jesus comes down and says, I love you enough to die for you. I'll pay for all this stuff. And you say, Lord, take my sin. I call upon you to be my Lord and Savior. And an exchange is made. He takes all of my sin and I take all of his holiness. But Paul doesn't just call the people in Colossae holy, he calls them faithful. Well, faithful is totally different. Faithful means loyal, steadfast in affection and allegiance, dedicated to. See, holiness comes from God and and, and you can't get it without God, but faithfulness, that's all on you. That's all on me. It's me deciding to be loyal and affectionate. It's you deciding to be unmoving in your belief and your actions towards God. So so a great question might be, well, how faithful are you to Christ? My desire is to allow the Bible and God to define my every day and my every choice. Uh, Let's let's look at our passage passage in Colossians 2 and start tearing it apart. And now, just as you accepted Christ, Jesus as your Lord, Colossians 2, you must continue to follow him. That's on you. That's on me. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. You get this picture of the roots going deeper and deeper and deeper into God. 
Then your faith will grow strong in truth, the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. The message is simple. You accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, now choose to be loyal and faithful to him. Let, let your roots go down. I mean, tree roots are powerful. Why? Because the bigger the tree, the, the deeper the roots, the bigger the roots. And they pull all the nutrients up. And he's saying, man, let Christ be the, let the word of God just be, let it be where you draw all, all of your power, all your nutrients, everything that you do. And I love that he says, when you do that, you'll overflow with thankfulness. See, God's word is calling us to go deeper and deeper into our relationship with God, to always be moving closer and closer. And then the result, Paul says, then your faith will grow strong in truth. You were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Why thankfulness? Because when you begin to do life God's way, it, it's better. There's a peace that passes understanding. In fact, I will tell you that faithfulness to God comes with promises that casual friends to God can and will never know. I know so many friends who are casual with God, who, who have never said, man, yes, every decision is based on God, but I'm not going to live my every day. They won't even say it, but they don't live their every day and their every thought by God. And all oh, they miss out on the joy. They're just a step away. It's as if they could just break through, walk through that one more door. All oh, their lives would be so sweet. Why? Because faithfulness to God. It comes with promises that casual friends of God can't and will never know. I don't want to confuse anyone here. I'm not saying that your salvation, our salvation is based on our good works. And I'm also not saying that God's love for you is based on your good works. But there are promises for those who literally base their day-to-day -day decisions on God and his word. They're not perfect. Only God is perfect. As soon as you put them on a pedestal, they will fall. They, they may mess up every day, but their overall desire, their overall heart is just dig deeper and deeper to know and get closer to a God that loved them enough to die for them. They're close friends of Jesus. Go home today and read Matthew chapter six, where Jesus says to the people, I know you're concerned about food. I know you're concerned about clothing. I know you're concerned about friendships. I know you're concerned about a home. But he said, I'll tell you what, if you will seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, I'll give you all that. That promise is for those people. Those people say, God, I want to bring, he talks about, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done as in that passage. Those are for the people who say, God, I want to lead as many people to Jesus as I can. I want people to bend their knee to you. I want to bring heaven to earth. Here's what I want to accomplish today. I want us to look at what it means to walk in friendship, in worship, in praise to God on a daily basis. I want to define what a true man or woman of God looks like, and I want to be really practical and really biblical. See, being close to God is not a forced list of do's and don'ts. In fact, if we're truly close, then the do's come from the heart. When you, when you truly love someone, there's no greater happiness than to bring them joy, right? I, I've told this story before, but I remember, you know, Christmas time, my mom was like, we were so poor, but somehow we always had so many presents under the tree. I, I don't know how my mom did it, but we'd have so many presents and, 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 and man, I would be counting them. In fact, I, I learned that you could, you could kind of tear the paper just right along the edge. Anybody ever do that? Pull the gift out, play with it for a little while, try to get it back in a box. Just, the trick was not to get the corner of the box to tear the paper on the way in. 
I would play. And my mom would say the most ridiculous, insane thing to me. She'd say, Rick, one day when you have children, you're going to enjoy giving gifts better than getting gifts. And I thought, this woman's insane. <laughs> but man, I know what she means. My, my son flew up for my birthday. We went to a food festival in Cincinnati, and he and I went a day early on Friday and all day. And I kept saying, Josh, what do you want to do? We can do this, this, or this. And he kept saying, Dad, I want to do what you want to do. It's your birthday. And I said, buddy, you don't understand. Bringing joy to you is what brings joy to me. I want to do what you want to do. Man, when you truly love God, that's how you feel. God, I want to do what you want to do. Now, let's look at a few things that define those who are close friends to God. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 2. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Sometimes people talking to you and explaining things to you, wow, that sounds really good. And Paul said, you know what, sometimes that's just nonsense. It comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And Paul said, don't let anybody capture you with empty philosophies. Rather, get your philosophy, your knowledge, your heart, your mind, your soul from Jesus. My, my number one thing in a true friend of Jesus, what defines true friends of Christ, hang on to every word from the Bible, not Fox News, CNN, or Aunt Marsha. I have an Aunt Marsha. I hadn't seen her in 10 years. She lives up in the northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area, knocked on the door. She opens the door and she said, I wonder who that old man out on my lawn was. It'll be 10 more years before I see Aunt Marsha again. We allow politics, advice from well-meaning but often misguided people or tradition. It's the way it's always been done. That has nothing to do with the Bible or our culture to define us. But those closest to God strive every day to live their lives the way the Word of God tells them to live. I, I, I want God to tell me. I want to deal with people I love the way God tells me to deal with people. I think of in Romans where Paul says, don't just say you love people, but truly love them. I think of when the Bible tells me that if somebody is in need and I have, then I am to meet that need. I, I, I want to struggle with people from a biblical standpoint. If I have a friend in need, I want to strive to help meet those needs. If I have an enemy, I, I want the word of God to tell me how to deal with that enemy. I, enemy, I want to pray for him. If I'm having financial issues, I want to consult the word of God. Did, did you know that the Bible is even filled with wise counseling for finances? Look at Proverbs 22. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Be careful how much you borrow. That's just great biblical advice. I've been reading through Psalms and spending a lot of time in them and in my devotions at night. And last night I, I, I finished Psalms and it jumped over to Proverbs. And I thought, no, I want to go back and start Psalms again. But then I read in the first few verses of Proverbs, which says, it says the simple would become wise if they read the book of Proverbs. And I thought, well, I'm simple. I need to be wise. I started digging back into Proverbs. That's just one example. Here's the deal. I want to be a fanatic about doing life God's way. I want to be a fanatic about doing God's, life God's way. Well, in order to do that, we have to spend daily time in God's word. And here's the deal. I don't spend time in God's word because God needs me to. I used to think that. You know what? I didn't have my devotion today. God's not going to be, be able to bless me. Listen, I don't do that because 
I think God will be mad at me. I don't spend time in God's word because God needs me to. I spend time in God's word because I need to spend time in God's word. I, I, I need to make the best choices on a daily basis. Psalms 119, I, I spent weeks in Psalms 119. It says this, oh, how I love your instructions. Oh God, I love, I love how you tell me to lead my life. Oh, it's so much better. Marriage is better. Relationships are better. Finances are better. Oh, I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking about your law. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. There's incredible wisdom and joy found in studying and knowing the truths and the daily wisdom of the Bible. When, when you live by the principles of God's word, life is sweeter. Paul said, you'll overflow with thankfulness. You're not happy. You can't be thankful unless something good's going on, right? My car broke down. I'm thankful. I'm not, that doesn't make sense. God is just doing some great things in your life. Close friends of God dig into God's word alone and with others. That's why we're encouraging you to jump into the story of God. Um, let that be the thing that jumpstarts you into a closer walk and a friendship with God. If you've never been in a small group, I, I really encourage you to jump into that. Start digging in, start tearing apart, start knowing. True friends of Christ, I'm going to every word from the Bible. Not Fox News, CNN, or Aunt Marcia. I do love my Aunt Marcia, though, in case she's listening. What else does a close friend of Jesus look like? Well, number two, true friends of Christ make Jesus their sole source of authority. Not the government, their employer, or cultural sensitivity. Jesus isn't culturally sensitive. His name isn't culturally sensitive. But you know what? If God says do it, we do it. If God says it's right, it's right. If God said it's wrong, it's wrong. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. He, he's it. He's the king. He's the end of the road. His word is final. Jesus is my ultimate authority and in the authority chain. Now, the government may say, do this, and the Bible says to get underneath the government unless God says to do this. See, he trumps all authority. But just saying the name of Jesus can make those around us uncomfortable. Say it in the wrong place, you can be fired. Say it in the wrong place in some places in the world, and you could literally be killed just by speaking his name. I, I am sensitive as to how I lead others to Christ. But back in one of my old churches, we, there was a particular proposition that was on the docket and, in, in California. And, and a lot of the pastors and people were putting these bumper stickers on the car saying how they were going to vote. And I wouldn't do it. And somebody said to me, why won't you put a bumper sticker on your car? And I said, because I have friends across the street that work at the Starbucks. I know that's weird, but... And I'm trying to lead them to Jesus. And I don't want to offend them before I can lead them to Christ. 
I want to build a relationship with them. I want them to know I love them. And then I want to tell them about a God that loves them. And I want the Lord to begin to change their lives. You see, I, I am sensitive as to how I lead others to Christ, but I am not sensitive about leading them to Christ. I don't care what culture says. They need Jesus. Why? Because every other religion is a lie. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And you can say, well, man, that's insensitive because they have these other beliefs. They may be sincere, but without Jesus, they are sincerely wrong. And there is a literal hell, and they are literally going to it without Jesus. That's the reality that some of us sometimes seem to forget. I must be obedient to God and sharing the love and the life of the changing power of Christ. Let's look at a biblical example. The book of Acts in the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's basically the history of the church. And, and two of the key disciples in the first few chapters get in trouble with the law. Uh, Peter and John, the, two of Jesus' closest friends. They get arrested because on the Sabbath, they're kind of walking down the road and they see this handicapped man, but it's the Sabbath and you're not supposed to work and they considered healing work, but this guy's crippled. And so they lean down and they say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Well, they got in trouble. In fact, they got arrested. They went against Jewish customs and did it on the holy day. They broke all the legal rules. You weren't allowed to do that. You weren't allowed to talk about Jesus. That was really culturally insensitive because a lot of the people in that crowd were the ones who had just yelled just a little while ago, crucify him. His name was an offense. But you know what? Jesus always trumps culture. When Peter and John got called on the carpet for what they did and for being insensitive to those around them, here was their response. Okay. <laughs> Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man? You want to know how he was healed? I feel like Peter said, watch my lips. Put your phones down, Pharisees, and look me in the eye for this one, because I'm about to blow your mind. You want to know how this guy was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the power in the name of Jesus Christ Nazarene, the man whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. You talk about being culturally insensitive. You know that guy you murdered? He raised this guy up. He healed this crippled man. And he is the only one. By the way, this is where Peter said, there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. What the most important thing you can do in life is lead somebody to Jesus because the alternative is hell. These guys were not afraid to take some pretty bold stance for their belief in Christ. In fact, they were standing before the literal two priests who had sent Jesus to the cross. Ananias and Caiaphas. Here's the deal. Peter and John were not seeking to offend. And you and I should not be either. But my love for Christ is way too strong to be ever afraid to share him publicly or to stand on his side. Now, I'm not saying don't be cautious. For example, if you're a teacher, you, you may not be able to stand in front of your classroom and say, hey, everybody, turn to the book of John. Perhaps an occasion may arise where you can demonstrate the love of Jesus or there'll come a time when a parent or another teacher 
or outside of the school where you can share Jesus. It's just one example. The Pharisees didn't know what to do with their boldness. They were blown away. So this is what they did. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Stop leading people to Jesus. Stop talking about Jesus. Stop it. Well, they didn't know that Peter was going to be crucified upside down for telling people about Jesus. They didn't know that John was going to be boiled in oil and banished to Patmos because they would not stop leading people to Jesus or talking about Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling people about everything we have seen and heard. The Pharisees had authority, but Jesus trumps all other authority. Society tells you you can't talk about Jesus. Then you say to society, should we listen to God or should we listen to you? See, faith is putting the knowledge of God at risk. True men and women of God take what they've learned from being in God's word and they do it. Faith becomes action. That is faithfulness. Let me put it another way. The spiritually mature must and will naturally sacrifice for the spiritually immature and the lost. There's a famous song. I'm going to sing it for you. It goes, it's all about you, Jesus, not about me. And I can't, Jeremy doesn't think I can sing. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> ridiculous. But you know what so many Christian songs should be? It's all about me, Jesus, not about you. It's craziness. Tired of it. The spiritually mature must and will naturally sacrifice for the spiritually immature and the lost. Why? Because the alternative is hell. Literally, forever. I'll go anywhere. I'll tell anybody. I'll suffer anything to lead somebody to Jesus. Why? Because I already know him. You can't take that away from me. You make me as uncomfortable as you want, but I will refuse to stop telling the world about Jesus. And that is exactly what Peter and John said. Hey, we're not listening to anybody else. We're listening to God on this one. Why? Because spiritually mature people who are close to God live their lives by the word of God. Let's read on in Colossians chapter 2. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a, fit, a cutting away. There was a cutting away, circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Paul said you were buried with Christ when you're baptism. That's an act of faith. I'm, I, I publicly believe that Jesus loved me, died on the cross to pay for my sins. I make it public by going in baptismal waters. I, I go into the water, signifies my death. I raised up, signifies my life is his. Baptism is an act of obedience, but once again, holiness is from God. Paul said Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Number three, with close friends, true friends of Christ rely on Jesus to save them. 
not their own willpower, their good works, or self-righteousness. See, I fully understand that while I'm on this earth, I'll never achieve sinless perfection. I'll strive to be obedient to my precious God, but I will not live my life in fear of losing my salvation. I will not wonder, oh, does God still love me? I won't do it. I will not doubt God's faithfulness. We must not ally lies, self-hatred, or the opinion of others to rob us of the insurance, assurance of God's faithfulness and that he alone has saved us from sin. He has cut away our sinful nature. Let me put it this way. I will not strive to be saved because I am saved. I love the way John, one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples, put it. And by the way, John was one of the ones in Acts chapter 4 who said, I'm not going to stop telling people about Jesus, so save your breath. He said, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. We're growing, we're going deeper and deeper. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him alone. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. John says, I won't be afraid on the day of judgment. I will face God with confidence. Why? Because perfect love expels all fear. And just in case you missed it, he said, listen, if you're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And that shows that you have not fully experienced the love of God. If you're afraid of losing the love of God or out his goodness, then you don't understand God or God's grace because God has cut away your sinful nature. I stand holy and righteous before God because of what Christ has done alone. I want to make this next statement really clear. I want to do like Peter and John and say, watch my mouth. I will not allow my aversion to someone else's way of life or sin to keep me from seeing them as anything but a person who Jesus loves so much that he was willing to die for. Well, let me say that again. I will not allow my aversion. I'm not walking around like I'm Van Helsing and they're vampires. Get away from me, I'm holy. I will go wherever they go to lead them to Jesus. I may not do what they do, but Paul said, I become all things unto all men that I might lead them to Christ. I want to allow my aversion to someone else's way of life or sin to keep me from seeing them as anything but a person whom Jesus loved so much that he was willing to die for them. You see, although I am extremely valuable to God, I am not more valuable than anybody else. True friends of Christ rely on Jesus to save them, not their own willpower, their good works, or their self-righteousness. Let's finish out our passage in Colossians today. You were dead because of your sin and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against you and took it away by nailing it to the cross. You were dead and God made you alive. The very day the very moment someone shared with me that I could go to heaven when I died. I, I remember it clearly. The moment somebody shared to me there was a God and he loved me in the midst of all the stupid things I was doing. I not only called upon him to be my savior, 
I literally said to him, God, if you love me enough to die for me, I will love you enough to live for you. And I will spend the rest of my life telling people about Jesus. And here's the deal. No one had to tell me to do that. And by God, no one on earth could tell me not to do it. I was and am filled with so much gratitude and so much love for what Christ has done that I am consumed with telling other people about Jesus because I know the alternative, because I was headed for the alternative. I knew who I was and how desperately I needed Jesus. Which leads me to our last point, number four. True friends of Christ are consumed with appreciation and sharing the love of Christ to the world around them. They said to Peter and John, you stop talking about Jesus. And they said, there's no way on earth I'll start talking about Jesus. Jesus gave this final command before he departed this earth. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven on earth. Remember, Paul said he is the supreme authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Anyone, any Christian who says they have no purpose in life, you need to memorize those verses. You need to commit them to memory and then commit them to the mission of your life. You are to make disciples. You know what that means? You start building relationships. You start pouring into people in order to lead them to Jesus. I build a lot of relationships with people and I truly love them because God loves them and my heart's desire is to lead them to Jesus, to see them baptized, to see them bow their knees, to bend and say, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. When you truly begin to love the people around you just because Jesus does, it changes your filter. When you see, when your waiter is not just your waiter serving your food, he's a guy that Jesus loved enough to die for and you care about him. That person in the office that drives you crazy becomes the person that you pray for every night. You become driven to see them know Christ. A true friend of Christ is consumed with the salvation of the world around them. Why? Because Jesus was consumed it's all about you. I'll sing the song again if y'all don't listen up. I'll sing the whole thing. A true friend of Christ is consumed with the salvation of the world around him because they know if it wasn't for Jesus, I would be going to hell. If they know it wasn't for Jesus, I would be paying for my own sins and I don't want to pay for them. A true friend of Christ is consumed with the salvation of the world around him. It consumed Jesus. It's got to consume us. How close are you to Jesus? Oh, my heart prayer for you is that you're moving a little closer. You're learning a little more. You're digging a little deeper. Your roots are going down. Well, let me encourage you again with the words of Paul. Let your roots go down in him. And your other lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. What a mighty God, a mighty king, a mighty savior. I cannot help but tell the world about you. I cannot help but be consumed with the broken, the downcast. I cannot help but do that, God. Might we be consumed with what consumes you, and that is the world around us coming to know you and worship you and praise you. Might your kingdom come and your will be done.
for we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. God bless, guys. Thanks so much for listening.